Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Brian. And we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. We hope you're enjoying this episode. You know, it's our goal to make this podcast useful to you. So if you find it valuable, we want you to consider supporting the Bible Bistro financially. You know, there's a cost associated with this podcast, and your support will help us to continue this mission. If you'd like to help, we have set up a Patreon account where you can contribute at any level. Maybe you just want to give us a few bucks a month and buy us a cup of coffee. Or if you support us at $15 or above, you can receive some of our personalized items, like the Bible Bistro coffee mug. Trust me, you're really going to want one of those. Absolutely. You just got to go to our website or in the show notes and click on the Patreon link. And thank you so much. We appreciate our loyal listeners. Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro. A podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. And all things pertaining to the Christian faith. Stop saying that. That is wrong. (laughs) Related to common language here, Mr. Language Nerd. But we're back again. Oh, whoa. You just rolled your eyes when I called you a language nerd. Oh, boy. And I I do have two Greek words that we're going to talk about today. Of course. (laughs) See? It's providential. I guess I can't deny it. You can't deny it. I did. I did. I did pull out my language nerd credentials last night in a, in a whole different conversation. Somebody was talking and they're like, oh, I think you pronounce it this way. I'm like, well, I don't think so. <laughs> like, whom? It's like, what, how do you use the word whom? Yeah, not like The Clash. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know the song, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Yes. Isn't that The Clash? I think it is. I don't know. I know uh, the I song. They, they have the line, I don't know whom I'm supposed to be. So, you wow! Use it there. All right. For those of you still listening, um, we're we're back. In- Both of you. <laughs> thank you. T- oh, yeah. Thank you, yeah. and we'll see you at Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's been a great ride, the Bible Bistro. Well, we're back this week. We're talking about we're continuing our series the called the the Oneters or the yeah. Wonders. You oh, know, if wonders. you see it, one O N E D E R S Wonders. So, what about wonders. our next series, the Twanders? Did you? I, you know what? We did mention that. I did not find twan- a twander. It's the twanders, right? Yeah. The uh, no, I don't think there are any two chapter. I'm I'm pretty sure two I, chapter I, books I, in the Bible. I that was a joke. I can't think of one. Let me think. No. If not. you don't get that joke, terrible as it may be, go back and listen to last week's episode. And you'll understand it. But we're continuing yeah, okay. our wonders Oneter series. Looking we have at two one, more. One book. One chapter books of the Bible. Yeah. We what have we done so far? We've done Obadiah. And yeah. We did Philemon, Philemon, and then Philemon. we did uh, uh, hey, Jude. 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 It hey, was Jude. pretty. Yeah, we talked about Enoch last week. Yeah, and, and also this, the the uh, Enoch and uh, the Moses. Uh, yeah, Testament of Moses. Yes, the mystical words of Enoch. It's apocryphal and his... books. If you're if you're into apocryphal books, you should go back and listen to last week's episode. <laughs> now we have one listener. <laughs> Batting a thousand. Oh. All right. Well, today we're looking at what book are we looking at today? And I think this is one of your specialities, yeah, well, isn't it? You know, we actually finally get into something I know something about. And uh, this is this. <laughs> we have Thanks two for more, listening. <laughs> we have two more episodes. We have two more one chapter books left. And one is and both of them are John, second John and third John. Mm-hmm. We have these three books that we call the Johannine epistles that are related in some way uh, together. And uh, two of those are one chapter books. It's interesting. Second and third John. So, you know, we, we talked about it. Don't you think it has been interesting how, how each of these, even though they're one chapter has opened up other, other issues of discussion yeah. and that kind of thing. What, what we find with second, third John, I actually wrote my master's thesis on the Johannine epistles, believe it or not, 150 pages or whatever on these three books. Okay. And really what it was about was about the way I, th- I think they po- possibly were transmitted. So there are all three, all three of these are called letters or epistles. You know, we, that's, that's the word we use for the letters of Paul or uh, Jude. We talked about it being an, an epistle. We talked about this a little bit. You might remember with Chad Ragsdale when um, he was on talking about the book of Hebrews and we asked, is this an epistle or is it something, something different? Right. That's one of the questions we have about first John as well, because first John, even though we call it one of, so we call these the Johannine epistles, right? Meaning the letters that are related to John, Uh, even though 
um, it, uh, it, we call first John a letter. It has no epistolary features other than eight times or so. It says, I write to you. So other than that, there's no salutation like we see in other no opening, like, no, hello, no opening my greetings. name is, here's who no you No conclusion are. in the same way that we see in other letters. In fact, you know how the, the letter of 1 John, go ahead and read the last verse of the letter of 1 John. Dear kind of children, a, keep yourselves from idols. The end. And so, <laughs> period. <laughs> okay, Peace John. out, guys. See you later. Thanks, thanks for that advice. And you know, I'm kind, out. <laughs> kind of an abrupt ending, right? I mean, mm-hmm. little children, keep yourself from idols. It's like, Okay. But uh, it has no epistolary features. In fact, there's only one proper name. I've mentioned this before. There's only one proper name in the entire book of 1 John, and that's the name Cain, uh, which, you know, obviously he's not giving greetings from Cain or to Cain or anything. He's talking about him. That's the only proper name in the entire book. Hmm. Interesting thing, though, 2 and 3 John are the closest things that we have in the New Testament to a typical first century letter. Uh, they're shorter. Both of these are shorter than the than the book of Jude. They're shorter than Philemon. They are about the size uh, of a typical first century epistle, which is your typical letter in the first century would have fit on a single piece of papyrus. Yeah, um, this is this is one of the writing materials that was used to do letters because it could be sent. It's kind of like paper for us today, right? And in, mm-hmm. in fact, it's the predecessor to paper. That's where the name paper comes from. It's um, it's made out of reeds that were pressed together, and uh, these sheets they could be written on, and they could they're light enough they could be sent at a distance. They could be addressed, and uh, and so that's that's about the size of a typical epistle. So second, third John. The way I used to say it is they're they're almost all epistolary features, right? Right. You're going to see this very quickly. We have this introduction. We have a very short what we call the body of the letter, just very, very short, just a few sentences, and then we get to the conclusion. And so what I argued in my uh, in my master's thesis was that it's possible 1 John is a circular epistle. In other words, a, a letter that was written to a group of churches. And we have other examples of this. Uh, we have the example of the book of Revelation, for example. You might remember mm-hmm. it starts with these seven Church. letters to the seven churches, and, and it seems to follow kind of a path that we think that maybe this is how the book of Revelation was sent from John on the Isle of Patmos to all these churches. could be the same with the letter of 1 John or the whatever we call it, sermon or whatever you want to call 1 John. It could have been sent along with a couple of these other letters, Second, and 3 John, as kind of attachments in order to talk about how to apply this next week. I'm going to say a bit more about how I think those work together, but yeah, go ahead. So could we think of this like when we talked about Philemon or Philemon, <laughs> right? Colossians went along with it to same the church in Colossae and Ephesians might've been mm-hmm. part of that as well. So you see this as maybe kind of second and third John as kind of the tag along to, I, I, I to think first so. John to specific I, situations. So first John would have been sent and, and probably so, Paper in the papyrus in the in the early centuries. This is part of the reason for a circular epistle was very expensive, and uh, and so what would often happen is instead of making, you know, it's not like you could take it down to your local Kinkos and make you know and Xerox it right. Uh, it, it had to be hand copied, and so what they would often do is send one copy, and each church, for example, in the early history, what it seems happened is that they each church would make a copy of that letter themselves. In other words, they would have a scribe who would copy that letter in order for that church to keep it. And then the original letter with the person who was carrying it would go on to the next church, that kind of thing, if that if that makes sense. Okay. And so then that, that that's where we start to see these when they begin to be collected together. That's where we get these kind of scribal, um, you know, mistakes and these different things. That are, and we have to kind of figure out how what the original looked like in, in all of this. So anyway, so Again, second, third John are mostly epistolary features, salutation, short exhortation, and, and conclusion. And I think they fit together. Some people see them as written. The, the funny thing is really what I was reacting against as a young student, you know, years and years ago when I, when I started studying these, is there would be people who would make these written over a long period of time. And, and it's like, oh, these seem like they're <laughs> pretty much closer together. Like, how, how, right. how can you explain second, third, second John being written and then 10 years later, third John's written or whatever? And so, so I see these as written to a very specific, one specific situation. We'll talk more, like I said, about that next week. Um, now, what's interesting about second John, and I want to spend a little bit of time on this, is because, uh, as I've mentioned before, when people find out that I 
teach the book of Revelation. I've studied the book of Revelation quite a bit. One of the first questions that I get from them is always, well, who is the Antichrist, right? I'll, I'll get that question. And I'm like, yes. what does it have to do with the book of Revelation? <laughs> the word, I think I've mentioned this before. The word Antichrist Doesn't never appear. appears in the book of Revelation. It does appear in two books in the New Testament. The word Antichrist appears two, two, in two different books in the New Testament. And this shouldn't surprise you now because we're talking about Second John. One of them is Second John. Oh, the other yeah. one other one is first john so these are the only two letters in which the entire two times that we find the word antichrist used and and so it's it's a good thing to look at that and see what the word actually means rather than mm-hmm. what we, and and, what we and, take if it the, to and if these are sent at the same time like john's got something very particular <clears throat> in mind so. when he's writing these things because so. he's well, maybe sending them at the same time you'll see some funny things we'll have to we'll have to kind of think through some of this to see if antichrist means what we th- <laughs> we, we could have done this in our other series this word i do not think it means what you think it means yeah Inconceivable. Um, inconceivable series. But but it's the same kind of thing. Antichrist, I don't know. I, I think we have made it culturally into something that, that is not necessarily. Uh, okay. I should mention this. In the book of Matthew, Jesus does use the word pseudo-Christos uh, in, in Greek, pseudo-Christ, false Christs. Many false Christs, he says, which is interesting there. Again, notice that many false Christs will arise. And uh, he's kind of giving his 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 uh, followers warning that there are going to be people who are going to arise claiming to be the Messiah and they need to be prepared for that. Uh, and so that, that word is used, but antichrist is only used here in first John and also in second John. So let's talk a little bit about it then. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so go ahead and read for me the first three verses. So this is again, the, the greeting section of the letter, which will include the sender and the recipients and then a salutation. Excuse me, so go ahead and read that to to me. The elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. Okay. So... The salutation, that's the easy part of this. Let's go ahead and go to that first. So he says, Paul Tinsus uses the words grace and peace to you. You, you. You'll know that that's usually his salutation. John here, I'm going to say John for the moment because we have to get to that in just a minute. Grace, mercy, and peace is what he says here in this. So he adds the word mercy. We're going to see the same thing in Third John. So grace, mercy, and peace to you is kind of his salutation in, in Jesus Christ and God the Father um, is, is his salutation. Now, what do you notice about the sender? What what name or what title is given there for the sender? Uh, the elder. Elder. Okay. Now, this causes us a little bit of problem. We call these the Johannian epistles, but the name John never appears in them. Mm-hmm. Um, very early, very early in the history of Christianity, they were associated with John. And I'm going to, you're going to be able to see by the time we're done with second and third John, you're going to be able to see very clearly why they were associated with John. But his name never occurs as the sender in any of these three. I already mentioned to you, first John, John, you know, the only name that appears there is Cain. Second, third John, we have this, this phrase, the elder. Um, an elder refers to someone who is older, right? In, in, in the old, it's actually the longest term that's used in scripture for the leader of, the pe- of God's people. There is no term in the Bible that is used longer for God's people than this term elder. Oh. Uh, so I think the first use of it that I, I can remember off the top of my head anyway is in, in the book of Exodus when Moses goes down to Egypt in order to tell them about God sending him. So this is the second book of the Bible, right? Exodus. Uh, you have him going to the elders of Israel. And what that simply means, elder, I mean, literally at its base, it means what still means in English, old, an older person. The implication is someone who has lived long enough that they've acquired wisdom mm. is what I'll say. They're able to lead because they have um, they have learned through experience 
you know, I always say wisdom is an acquired thing, right? It has to, right. it's not knowledge. It's not something you can simply study, but wisdom is something that has to be acquired through long practice, essentially. And so an older person who has been through some stuff and who has been able to respond to it in a, in an appropriate way is kind of what we have going on here. So the elder is what's mentioned. Now, there's a character, and I'm going to mention him. He's, he's just in a couple of early church writers. I'm going to talk about some early church fathers who is called the Elder John. And he is associated with the Apostle John, the John that hung around with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so some people think that this John <laughs> that's writing here, even though John never appears, is the Elder John. There have been, there have been all kinds of construction uh, about trying to figure this all out. We've talked before about the book of Revelation. Interestingly, the book of Revelation says it is written by somebody named John. Right. Okay, that's the only book. The Gospel of John never mentions that it's written by it, John. There, what, what phrase is used to talk about the author and for in the Gospel of John? Do you remember? I don't remember the beloved the beloved disciple. Ah, uh, yes, right. Remember that. So, yeah. so this is the one who has written these things. He says, you know, the beloved, the one who's who's the beloved disciple. And so we find that we find elder here, and then the book of Revelation says it was written by John on the on the uh, on the Lord's day. But there, in early church tradition, all five of these books are associated. Not just with any John, but with the Apostle John, who traveled with Jesus, who who um, uh, who was there uh, with him during during his his earthly ministry, and so so that's something we have to deal with. Questions on that, or I, I know I, I kind of went beat around the bush a little bit with that, but <laughs> no, I yeah, I think it's weird. You know, if it's a, a letter <laughs> sent that just says the elder. Well, and I think I, I think that it's not this even point, like capital E elder. <laughs> like, this points to something that that we've talked about before that that the people who were the original recipients of this would have known who it was from. You know, right. again, it wasn't it wasn't like an anonymous letter sent through the How postal shameful service for them not to think of us. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so it would have been carried probably by somebody who would have very specifically known who it was from. And and again, the, it's one of those we talked about kind of listening in on a telephone conversation. Right. So speaking of which, let's get to the other other side of this conversation. This letter is addressed to um, we, we sometimes refer to the elect lady. Now, literally, that's the, the term that's used here. The, the yeah. lady who is chosen by God, the elect lady, um, uh, is who this is addressed to. She must have felt special. <laughs> well, we have, we have two choices. Is this a person? Is this a, a real lady? Some people have even suggested the word Korea, which is the word that's used for lady here, could be her name, could be a proper name. There are some examples mm. of that. But is this a specific person? Or is this a way, and, and this again traditionally has been taken to say that this is a reference to a congregation. Uh, church pretty early on uh, by early church writers becomes referred to in the feminine. I mean, the word ecclesia is a feminine word in Greek. Um, and, and so her, you know, she, uh, Augustine famously calls the church mother, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all of these phrases are used in reference to the church. And, and so it's it's possible here that John is using this in a figurative sense to refer to a specific congregation. So like to, and, it's like to the church. Yeah. And then he uses this, this phrase children to refer to the members of that mm. lady. Okay. Well, I had never thought of I that. Know, that's one possibility. The other possibility is that it's written to a specific, like I said, a specific person. Now, I'm not going to come down one way. Well, I probably, if you if you force me to, I'll make a decision. Make but, a decision right now. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> I, I think it's probably figurative for the church, but that's probably my bias and, and that I tend to come down on the traditional side of things. But uh, the, the, the letter to 3 John, if you flip over there really quickly, it's only one page, it shouldn't take you too long, is, um, is, a, is written to a specific person named Gaius, mm-hmm. if you notice that. And so it could be it could be that this is simply an elect lady or curia, as as some people have suggested that it could be a, a specific, um, you know, female leader of the church or uh, someone like we saw with Philemon. The church meets in their home, like we saw in Coloss in Colossi, We have Nympha and the 
church that meets in her home, for example. It could be could be somebody referring to that. I'm going to tell you in just a minute why I think it's, as we go through the letter, I'll show you why I think it's referring to the church as a whole. All right. So we have the, the elder who we're saying is John, yeah. and it's to the lady chosen by God and to her children. We're, we're, we're making, uh, 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 we're saying this is the church. Possibly. Um, Possibly. Yes, I will always leave the door open for you, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but all to, who know the truth. I, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that does make yeah. seem to be a little bit more. Well, the very next line is the one that makes me think it's a church. If you Go ahead and look at that. I was going to say something else about this. We don't want to forget. There's something because else I want to say about truth, this Because of the which lives in us and will be with us forever. No, go on the next one then, after that. Sorry. The grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. No, no, no. Jesus. I'm saying right after the, the salutation. <laughs> Clarity, Brian. Right after the salutation. <laughs> it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. Some, some of your children are walking in the truth. So <laughs> you get what I'm saying? That yeah. that to me sounds, okay, so either um, we have a lady who has, I don't know how many children, you know, at least three. He says some of, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so he doesn't say both of or whatever. A couple, yeah. And, and so... This idea of some of them are walking in the truth, that made me glad. Well, that means there are others who are not walking in the truth, right? Mm-hmm. But his primary point is going to be that there have been those who've risen from within the church. And and we're going to see this in 1 John as well. We're going to see it in 2 John. There have been some who've arisen who are false teachers. And, and so if we're writing here to a congregation, then what he's saying is, I'm glad to hear that there are some of you who are still uh, some of the members there, some of quote unquote your children who are who are adhering to the truth is is what I think he's saying. So that that's oh. why I tend to think it's the church. If, if you get what I'm saying, I, I seems, get it. It seems kind of strange. Like uh, how many children do you want to get? Five children, and I oh, hear some of them. You know, you got you got three of them that are walking in the truth. You know, yeah. Good, but good I, again, if this is a <laughs> it's possible, if, if this is yeah. a uh, you know, if this is language. That they would have under, you know, like right. in their context would have been very, exactly. but for us seems kind of well strange. But, but Someone we, might in the future go, Mother Earth, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But we refer to like the bride of Christ, right? We refer right. to the church as the bride of Christ. It's it's a scriptural concept. We, we say about, we don't probably as much as we used to, but we call church her, right? We, we will use the term her in reference to a church sometimes mm-hmm. instead of an it. Um, I don't know. It, it's It's possible. Um, we'll talk about the August guessing quote sometime too. Okay, look at second second Wishy-washy. John. Okay, look at second John thirteen as well. The very last verse here. Go ahead and mm-hmm. read that. The children of your sister who was chosen by God send their greetings. So again, so you get what I'm saying. This we, we use that term a lot. Sister congregations, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So this could be this could be this idea of the church where the elder is writing from. Its children, in other words, the members of that congregation, send their greetings. Uh, or, it, it, you know, if this is Korea or however we want to understand this, elect lady caller, whatever you will, it, it could be her physical sister, you know, and so that, that's it would, a choice. It seems like it would be harder to stretch things, you know what I mean? Like to. This that's is, why I take this as a congregation. Yeah. Yeah. That's but why it's not I take just like that. a family letter. <laughs> I mean, so I it's take a, it like yeah. a, in, like an actual blood relative family letter. It's possible, but I again, I, t- I keep saying that, but I take this as a congregation, and that's why it's exactly what you've said is is the reason that I that I take it that way. All right, so now that we There's have one the more answer. thing I want to talk about in the salutation before we leave it, remember? So go okay. back and read that sentence that you thought I wanted you to read earlier. Which one? I've read like nine of them. Just in, okay in the in the uh, salutation, grace just, and mercy, just before that. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. So that word truth is an important word in this in this letter. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the Greek word is uh, aletheia is the is the Greek word. Very important in the Gospel of John as well. And I'm just going to give you some statistics to show you how how how. So this is why we connect the Gospel of John to First, Second, and Third John. Uh, 25 times this word aletheia is used in, in the Gospel of John, 25 times. In the rest of the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and of course Luke remembers much longer than the Gospel of John is, mm-hmm. in those it's used seven times combined Wow! in those three Gospels, 25 times in the Gospel of John. You see the emphasis right. in, the, in the Gospel the of John. The word truth is a, is a major thing for him. Right. And 
in the letters then, so the book of Romans is an example I'll use, and the book of 2 Corinthians. It's used in those two pretty frequently for Paul's letters. Those are pretty long letters in, in Romans. In, in fact, Romans is the longest letter we have of Paul's. Uh, Romans and 2 Corinthians, it's both used eight times. The word aletheia is used eight times. In 1 John, which is a significantly shorter book, it is used nine times. Okay. And then in this tiny book of Second John, it's used five times and six times we're going to see in Third John. So you, you get what I'm saying. Statistically, mm -hmm. the word aletheia is used frequently in the Gospel of John, more frequently than it is the other Gospels that we have. And it's also used frequently in these letters. So this is a theme that we're going to see. There's others. It's going to become obvious. Yeah. There are other connections that we see. First John I, you know, again, there's everybody. <laughs> there's every possible relationship that has been suggested between these two books, but many, and, and I would include myself in them. Many consider First John to have been written later than the Gospel of John, and picking up on the themes of of the Gospel of John. You could read it the other way. It could be that First John occurs earlier, and then the Gospel of John is an expansion of those themes. But in fact, Second John is one of the reasons I think that the Gospel of John is written earlier than the Johannine Epistles. We'll get to that in a minute. But but uh, uh, I think. First John is written to kind of clarify some of the things that we already see introduced in second in the in the Gospel of John is the way I would put it. So what you're saying is John's got <laughs> truth on the brain. Truth, and among other things, we're going to uh, see Alethe Alethea. Is that the word? Alethea. Alethea. You got to put your your emphasis on the right syllable. As we like to say, Alethea. 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 Fine language. It, the 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 accents on the on Listen, the I, I, you know, I play saxophone. It's jazz. You know, you're close <laughs> enough. Okay. Well, I'd still I'd still say Stop. music. Don't you accent the right? No, anyway. Oh, anyway, next. So so the emphasis on truth. What do you think the emphasis on truth is there? What what do you think that that indicates? Then let me ask you that question. Uh. What do I think it indicates? Yeah, why, 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 why does he emphasize truth so much more what? than the other gospels or the other letter writers? Uh, I, mean, I mean, if you kind of alluded to this, like some false teachers, okay. like there's, there's the, there is truth and there is false. Yes, like, and I think that he's trying to make the distinction that there's maybe not this syncretistic thing that's happening out there, but right. that there is something truth that you exactly. need to hold on to. So we've already seen the next line is, you know, the, the couple lines, this idea of your, you know, you, I see, I'm glad that some of your children are, are walking in the truth. Right. Right. And, and so that, that's a really strong emphasis on this idea again, in, in as opposed to false teachers. So we need to make sure that we know the truth and, and I'll go ahead and give this away. Now I'm going to talk about this more next week when we talk about third John, but truth is a big deal in first John. Uh, and part of the reason he's writing this book, I think is to say, here's, here's how we know the truth. Here's how we know truth from falsehood. And, and so that's, that's what we see emphasized here as well. Other cool. comments on that or questions? Uh, no, no. Okay. I I think it's interesting. To, I mean, to to see the the frequency of truth yeah. in all of these books that yeah. attributed to John. Yeah. Just that it is a major theme that is carried through all it of is. it. And there's another word in just a minute. Get prepare yourself. There's another word in just a minute. I'll do the well, same thing it, again. And I think the word truth. I mean. That's kind of a hard pill for yeah. some people today to swallow. You know, I mean, in a postmodern world, like, yeah. is there a truth, a truth that needs to be held on to? Think about the Gospel of John too. It, it, it's not only the word, but the the stories. Like, like John is the one who gives us the story of Pilate, who you know, Jesus says, "I came to 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 testify to the truth," and Pilate's response is, "What is truth?" Right? Mm -hmm. We have that. Then you have the whole story of Thomas. Right. And, and him failing to believe, even though he has been given uh, evidence of Jesus' resurrection. And Jesus kind of rebukes him for that and says, blessed are those who believe. And, and then John says, I've written these things so that you can believe. So it's not only the word truth, but it's also the stories have to do with this idea of what is true and what is false. And and and, and so that's, that's, I think, the beginnings of this. There, there are many people who think First John... And all three of these 
letters, first, second, third John, are written to a very specific heresy. And I'll mention that in just a minute. We'll get there. Um, but okay. uh, go ahead and read verses uh, four through six. And these are the yeah. this is the early part of the body. Again, this is a very short body of this letter. But go ahead yeah. with four, verses yeah. four through six. It was it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Okay, so there's there's a couple of things I want you to notice there. The first one I want you to notice that he says, I don't come to give you a new command, but I give you one that we have had. What does it say there? From the beginning. From the beginning. Now, from the beginning reminds us of the beginning of the Gospel of John. Hmm. Do you remember how the Gospel of John begins? In the beginning was the word. And, and so we have that. And so he, when he says in the beginning here, I don't think he's referring back to Genesis. I think he's referring back to, to the story of Jesus. In other words, from the time of Jesus. I'm going to pick up on that new command. Don't forget that uh, for the moment. But we're going to see that the book of 1 John, and I, I got to thinking, and I haven't told you this yet, uh, and so I'll do it right here when our listeners are listening in. I thought it'd be good for us to do kind of a, a couple of episodes on the book of 1 John after we're finished with this, since we, yeah. we kind of yeah. introduced it already. But when you look at the book of 1 John, you're going to see a lot of references to the beginning chapter uh, of, of the gospel of John, that, that kind of an image of the beginning. It talks about light. It talks about the one who came into the world. So, so it's, it, it picks up on those themes in the gospel of John. And that's one of the, another of the reasons we think there's a close connection here. Okay. So he says, I didn't come to give you a new command. Now this reminds us very much of the language in what we call the upper room discourse in the gospel of John. The upper room discourse is basically chapters 13 through 17 of the gospel of John. We call it a discourse. Uh, we've talked about this before when we've talked about John, you know, we have these long sermons in Matthew. You, know, you look at Ch Matthew five, six, and seven, it's all letters read if you have a red letter edition. Yeah. But as I often say in the gospel of John, you've got, you've got black, red, black, red. So it's a discourse. It's the, the disciples say something stupid and then Jesus corrects them. And then they ask another stupid question. No, it's, you get what, what I'm saying. It's a, it's a, it's a give and take. It's a conversation. Right. Right. So in, in chapter three of the gospel, of John, we have Nicodemus coming to Jesus and there's this give and take. There's this questioning that you takes know, place. How can a man be born again? Exactly. And then we see a similar thing in what we call the upper room discourse, which is this conversation. Now, chapter 17 turns all red. This is the, the, the high priestly prayer we sometimes call it, or I call it the, the Lord's prayer. It's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in, in scripture um, in, in chapter 17. But, but basically, if you look at chapters 13 through 17, it's this kind of give and take. So look at chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Should be a famous, we, we should know this one by heart, at least verse 35. But go ahead and read that for us. Oh, if you John would. 13. I'm getting there. Hold on. The Gospel of John 13. Sorry, I should have given you a warning. Yeah. Verses 34 and 35. All right, I'm on it. I'm on, here we go. A new command I give you, love okay, one now another. Okay, stop, stop just a minute. So this is Jesus, and he says what? How does he start? A new command. And John says in Second John, I'm not giving you a new command. I'm giving you the command we've had from the beginning. Okay, now go ahead and, and read the rest of it. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay, so, so you get the idea there. He's referring back to this command that Jesus gave us. So John's saying, I'm not giving you a new command. I'm referring back to this command that Jesus gave us while, while he was here. Now, Jesus is saying it was a new command, but how do I say this? It, it, we find it in the book of Leviticus. That's what I was going to say, like Leviticus okay. 18 or something like that, right? Okay. It's I referenced think in Mark, where, isn't it? Right. Right. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. So when Jesus says, technically, technically what it says there is love your neighbor as yourself, Self. but but Jesus says love one another. I, I think basically what, when Jesus says it's a new command, it's not something, no, it's not something they haven't heard before, but he's placing a new emphasis on it. Mm -hmm. This is, you remember when the, uh, the, the guy comes to him and says, the teacher of the law comes to him and says, what is the greatest commandment? Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The second is like it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and upon these, all of the 
prophets and the laws, you know, they, they hang on these two. Mm-hmm. And, and, and many churches, and I think rightfully so, have shortened these love God, love people, right? Uh, we're, we're called to love one another. Um, and, and in fact, verse 35 is, is one that I always say is an important one. Chapter 13, John chapter 13, 35 is all people will know that you are my disciples mm-hmm. by the love that you have for one another. So I always say that the love we have for one another is an evidence of our discipleship, uh, the way that we uh, demonstrate that. There's an old that. hymn about that one. <laughs> and they'll know, <laughs> they'll know we, we are Christians. Christians by our by love, love. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leave it to the music minister to bring that up. But so, so this idea... Of, of loving one another, yes, is absolutely very important. So let's talk about that for just a minute. Because this word, this the, the verb here, you guys have probably heard the word agape, mm-hmm. agape love. <clears throat> there are four words in Greek that are used for love. Three of them are in the New Testament. The word eros never appears in the New Testament. But the other three words for love appear. But agapao uh, is the verb form, or agape is the noun form, is a word that refers to the way that God loves us. We sometimes will say an unconditional love, right? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, An unending love, that kind of thing. Um, So it's not a phileo, it's not a friendship, it's not a brotherhood like a Philadelphia. It's it's a um, universal um, love. And so this idea of agape and agapao occurs more frequently in the gospel of John than any other of the gospels. And in first John more than any of the other letters. So just as an example, and, and I'm not going to give you the comparisons this time, but it occurs the, the verb form agapao occurs 37 times in the gospel of John. And it occurs 28 times in first John. <laughs> Wow. which is a very short letter. So this is another one of those connections that we see between the gospel of John and, and the book of first John, uh, this, this emphasis on love. And that's what he says here in second John. This is, uh, the reason I've written to remind you of this command. I'm not writing you a new command, right? But, but we're to love one another. Um, it, go ahead. Do you have a question on that or I, mm, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, me I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just bringing back that Levitical, sure. putting that emphasis on the Levitical code. Let me talk about one more story then from an early church writer that I always love to bring in at this point. Uh, there was an early church writer by the name of Jerome. And if you've ever been to Bethlehem, if you've been to the church of the uh, uh, of the um, uh, nativity in Bethlehem, he hung out there. That's where he did a lot of his writing. Uh, he he went. He called he called the land uh, of Israel the fifth gospel. Right. He went and studied there when he decided he wanted to be a scholar, and he spent his life basically writing commentaries on the books of the New Testament. Fourth century, uh, uh, fourth century Christian writer. He tells a story about the apostle John when he was very old, and uh, it's an interesting story. It, it's it's funny. It, it appears in his commentary on the book of Galatians when he's talking about Galatians chapter six, verse 10, which you might remember what that says. But when he's talking about Galatians six ten, he tells a story about when John was very old, he, he could no longer walk. And so he would be carried on a pallet to the church. Uh, and, and according to tradition, John died in the, in the city of Ephesus. And so Jerome places this story in the church in the city of Ephesus that, all of the Christians would get together. They would carry John uh, to the church. You might remember the gospel of John ends with this kind of tradition that, you know, you remember when Jesus says to John or to says to Peter, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? He says that about the beloved disciple. So the legend uh, occurs that John is not going to die until Jesus returns. So he becomes a very old man. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and that, that legend kind of persists for a long time. There's, there's all co- kinds of really crazy stories that are told about J- John's grave. I'll, I'll share those another day, but, but, uh, Jerome tells this story that as, as he would be carried to the church on Sunday to worship in Ephesus, that the church building there, that, People were gathering from all over. All these Christians were coming because here is the last, one of the last eyewitnesses, right, of Jesus. Here's one of the Mm -hmm. last alive or the last alive apostle. And so here's the living link, right, to to, to Jesus. And so they would come and, and, 
the story, Jerome says, is that week after week, he would say little children love one another, which is a reference to 1 John. He uses this term little children like you saw. Uh, Little children love one another. Little children love one another. And that's all he would say. And after he did this week after week, Jerome says, finally, you know, people are kind of like, John, don't you have anything else to tell us, right? Is there nothing else that you have for us? You were the last one to be with Jesus, you know, that, that that's alive and, and all you're telling us is love one another. And his response is, if you would do it, it would be sufficient. Uh, if, if, you know, the church would simply love one another, that would be sufficient. And uh, so that idea of the sign of discipleship and that story, I think it's a cool, cool story. Whether or not it's true or not, I don't know, but it's a cool story. <laughs> okay. Got it. <laughs> well, he's writing the fourth century from, from Bethlehem. He, he yeah. collected together a lot of traditions that had been handed down. And he, he, he's, a, he's a pretty, he's one of the, we, we call him the doctor of the church. He's one of the, one of the very important early theologians that we have. So look at Second John chapter seven. Then this is—I'm just going to single this verse out because this is the one that's going to tell us the question that is on everybody's mind. Gotcha. I, you want to read it? Yeah. Yeah. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. And the antichrist. Dun dun dun. So, what's the description here? It says that that they are the deceiver. Mm-hmm. Right, they, they're lying, uh, which which that takes us back to the garden. Right, um, uh, he was a liar from the beginning. You know right. this this idea. John again, we have Jesus talking about the devil in John chapter eight, and said he, he when he lies, he speaks his native language. In, in other words, he's the father of lies. Right, he's the one mm-hmm. who, who who spoke it from the beginning. We call see him called this in the book of Revelation as well. And so remember what the the first theme we talked about in in the Gospel of John is this idea of truth, mm-hmm. and it's truth opposed to this idea of of the one who is is deceiving. The mm-hmm. one who's lying, the one who's following, um, you know, back in famously in, in the gospel, John chapter eight, Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil, <laughs> you know, you're speaking lies uh, when I'm on the side of truth. And, and again, it's a very strong, John is a very strong, I don't say this, there's a, I want to be careful of using the term dualism, but that that's what I mean. There's a very strong dualistic characteristic to right. this, this truth teaching. and lies. Yeah. That there's light and darkness, there's truth and, and falsehood. And, and that's what I think he's getting across here in Second in John, is you got to be careful of this. So there's, there's we find Antichrist used in, in 1 John chapter 2. Now we need to go to, um, or I'm sorry, John, uh, 2 John chapter 7, or verse 7. Now we need to go to um, 1 John chapter 2. And I want to read a little bit there because this is the only other place that we find this this word antichrist. Actually, go back and read verse 7 again. I want you to notice one other thing. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. So how are they characterized? They they don't... Don't believe that Jesus will return or is coming in the flesh. Has come in the flesh. Uh, mm-hmm. Not return, but in the, fir- the first time had, has not come in the flesh. We'll, we'll talk oh, more Jesus about that. Jesus has in come minute. in the flesh, yeah. And so... So there's this idea of of many. Do you notice that? Mm-hmm. Many, and it says they have gone out. So so the idea is that these are people who were among the believers, but they have gone out now, and they are deceiving, and they are literally what the word means anti Christ, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They are against the teaching of Christ, and specifically the thing that John is concerned about here is they deny that Jesus has come in the flesh. Um, and so let me read what he says about the Antichrist, quote unquote, in, in 1 John chapter 2. This is the only other place, okay? We're going to talk about every time the word Antichrist is used in the entire Bible today, okay? So, so listen carefully. All Here's right. the other place it's used, 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. I, I always love that. I'm going to stop here. I, ha- I have to compound you know expound on this just a little bit we always talk about the last days john's like this is the last hour right Mm -hmm. we're in this final act of god's plan of redemption this is the last hour and as you've heard that the antichrist is coming even now many 
antichrists, plural, have come. So isn't that interesting? You have the many who've gone out in 2 John, and in 1 John, he says it's not the antichrist is coming. There are many antichrists who mm-hmm. have already, John writing this in late first century, we haven't talked about the time, but my opinion, late first century, is able to say many antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. In other words, we know we're in this final act of redemption because there's this ongoing battle uh, between truth and falsehood, I think John would say. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained. And that's an important John word too, by the way, minnow. They would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit, and all of you know what? You know the the truth. truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. Okay, so who's the Antichrist? Anyone (laughs) Mm -hmm. of this many who deny that Jesus is the Christ. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So what is giving rise to all this language, I think, is, is what I was mentioning to you earlier, that there is this group of false teachers, organized or not, I don't know, but there's there are these false teachers who've gone out from the church. Um, so, so they identified at one point as, as followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. They now go out and, and they're teaching falsehood. And this falsehood is denying that Jesus is, is the Christ, denying that he has come in the flesh is the other thing uh, that we see. I'll just mention this. Um, um, this is in verse 7. Uh, who do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh? There was an early teaching, uh, a, a, a heretical teaching that's called docetism. Uh, it is a form of what we call Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. If you've heard that word before, Gnosticism has to do with hidden knowledge, the secret knowledge that can help you to attain to, to godly the next things. Level. Yeah. Exactly. Docetism was a, was a specific form of this that said, you know, Jesus was not really flesh. And, and the reason for their believing this, <coughs> excuse me, the reason for believing this goes back to a Greek dualism. That's why I kind of didn't want to use the word dualism earlier. Mm-hmm. But this idea that there's a strong separation between flesh and spirit. Right. And the idea is if if Jesus is truly who he claims to be, he can't be flesh. He can't be flesh. Uh, because how could the holy one take on flesh if flesh by its very nature is is um corrupted. Uh, corrupt. And, and that's that's not a Christian teaching. <laughs> yeah, just to I'd, be clear. Yeah. Well, I'd, and I'd heard, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like, there's some thought that even in John, the Gospel of John, with Thomas yes. touching the hands and feet, there was sense of touching like, the hands and feet. And how does the, how does the thing begin? Uh, and the Word became came flesh, right? And, and so, made his dwelling among us. So there's yeah, there's some tabernacle. That the whole point of John, or one of the things that he's he's kind of railing against there, is this is this false teaching that Jesus only appeared uh, to be flesh, that he was not truly flesh. And yeah, there's other things that go along with that. The reason, by the way, just just to be clear, we have some forms of this that we still kind of have cling clung to a little bit. Uh, but it's it that God created humanity in His image, created them good. So you take an unfallen human being, a, a perfect human being like Jesus, and and they're not corrupt, right? What what mm-hmm. corrupts is this is this rebellion against God, um, and and even so. Last Sunday, you know what last Sunday was? If you're following the church calendar, uh, 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 it was uh, no. This Sunday's Pentecost. This coming Sunday's oh, Pentecost, is which yeah, is a pretty I'm, big deal. That's yeah. you know the birth of church and all. Seven days. <laughs> seven days before Pentecost, and this is actually because of the Book of Acts. Uh, you'll know Pentecost occurred fifty days after Passover. Yeah, that's what the Pentecost uh, means. 
Jesus, Jesus was crucified on Passover. He, on the third day, rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. And then Luke tells us in the beginning of the book of Acts that over a period of 40 days, he taught the disciples many things about the kingdom of God, is what it says. 40-day crash course on the kingdom of God. So if you do your math, if you take 50 minus 3, you get 47. And if you take 40... Um, seven days before Pentecost, he, he says to his disciples, you need to remain in Jerusalem till the, the gift that my father's going to give you, which ends up being the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And so seven Ascent, days. Ascension. There you go. Ascension Sunday. So seven days before Pentecost, or before Pentecost, the birth of the church, Jesus ascended. I have a a former student who listens to this podcast and he's going to be jumping up and down right now, but this is because how stupid I am about it. No, no, no. This is a big deal. This is a big deal to him. And I think it's rightfully so. He's the first one who really kind of pointed this out to me. And I really appreciate that is, is the Ascension is kind of a weird doctrine. If you, if you're a docetist, right? Because the Ascension you know why didn't he just kind of disappear <laughs> right like in guardian or in the uh you know like snapping the fingers in the end game of right. the avengers like just right they become dust right yeah. this is what so what the ascension is is a big deal we don't celebrate it as much as we do pentecost but this is flesh becoming heavenly right, right. this is this is flesh um beginning to dwell in in the in the heavens Mm-hmm. And so it's that, you know, it's, there's it's a barrier a, that's broken there. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a, it's a sign of this, uh, you know, this connection between heaven and earth um, again, you know, so it's it, anyway, just so kind I of guess a, my Avengers thing doesn't work because they actually turn into matter like the dust, into some but, kind of matter. I guess, okay. But so, yeah, it's a, so it's a wrong thing. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to make something out of nothing, but anyway, anyway but yeah, so, so that's Jesus, his bodily ascending right. into the heavens. So yeah. that's where we're going with this. Anyway, let's, let's go a little bit further here. Then go ahead and read verses, uh, verse eight. This is a warning. Yeah. You'll like this one a lot. Yeah. Watch. <laughs> Watch watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. You, so he gives don't. a warning here. You need to watch out. Uh, otherwise, you'll lose the reward um, that you've given. Which Why would seems, I like that? <laughs> seems to indicate that there's a possibility of moving away from uh, being in a position of grace into, into losing that. Um, so this is, again, these, these are teachers who've gone out from the brotherhood. They've gone out from the church, mm-hmm. or I guess I should say sisterhood, right, in this case, because we're talking about the elect lady. But anyway, the, they've gone out from us, but they are not of us. So then we have verses 9 through 11, and this is really, I think, the main point of, of the letter okay. of Second John. Okay, here <laughs> okay. we go. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. So you see here echo you hear echoes of First John chapter two there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they are not accepting the things that that are truth. They're you know, but here's the warning then. If someone comes to you, and again, you got to put yourself into this is a real conversation, right? This is a real letter going from one place to another. If someone comes to you like this, don't accept them into your home. Now, we've done all kinds of weird things with this. I've heard people, I've actually had people say, you know, some Jehovah's Witnesses came to the door the other day. And of course, I didn't let them in because of Second John chapter, you know, verse 9. <laughs> They're like 11. a vampire. Don't invite them in. They can't come in. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you let them in the house. But uh, what I think, so, so you got to remember the importance of hospitality for mm-hmm. the early church. And basically, uh, uh, as these teachers would travel from town to town and from place to place, we see this all the way going back to the disciples themselves. They depended upon the hospitality of fellow believers in order to uh, be able to, to do the traveling they were doing. Inns were not safe. You know, these are not like um, Motel 6 or anything. Uh, Those or aren't something. safe either. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't safe either. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these are not, these, the, these modern inns would not have been safe places. So they depended upon the hospitality. And this was a way that local congregations could help with the mission of the of the evangelists, basically, the people who were going and sharing the gospel and teaching. But he's saying... If they're if they're not teaching 
truth, then do not support them basically do not allow them into your home right don't don't give them hospitality because you're helping to promote what is a lie now that's the main thing believe it or not that's why i think john wrote second john is basically give warning and i think again to a church not to a specific lady but to a church to say if there are teachers who come who are teaching this false doctrine do not support them in this that's what i think the point of it is yeah, I think that's good. Now, I think we have a, a there's a little bit of conversation I want to have here. Okay. So, and I think this might be important for us today sure. as we're as we're thinking about this and yeah. in, in today's cultural context. Okay. You know, John's laying out this whole thing about loving. <laughs> right. At the same time, we've got verses later saying like of truth. don't eat, right. like let them keep them out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, for you, how do we, how should we think about this? Because I think there's some times where it's like, you know, if there's someone that I think is off the rails, like where, where do I draw this? Mm-hmm. I think this is an interesting conversation, you know, like where it's like, we love someone we, we don't want to, sure. you know, we so, want to love them to God, but at the so, same time, like there's a, there's a protection of, of the church, of the lady. Where do we so go I for take, this? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So I take taking them into my, into my home to be the idea of supporting their ministry. Okay. All right. It, it, so it's not a it's not a vampire thing. It's not saying oh the let's use mm-hmm. the Jehovah's Witnesses as an example because they're a safe example. I doubt there are many Jehovah's Witnesses listening to this podcast. If they are, um, they're not they're not good ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they're not listening very carefully. But <laughs> yeah. So so if they come to the door, it's not a matter of do, am I going to invite them in, but am I going to support their ministry? So I'm not going to give them money. I'm not going to mm-hmm. pay for a you know, a new world translation. I'm not going to say, Oh, I think you're, you're doing a great thing. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't have conversation with them. It doesn't mean that I don't try to show them the error of their ways. And I try to do, do so in a, um, a careful, a biblical way. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do need to love one another, but there is still a place where we need to be teaching truth. And, uh, and we, we, we have to, I mean, that's, that's a part of what it means. Um, I'll give you this example. I, I preached, I've been preaching through the book of Ezra, believe it or not. And, uh, the week before last was Ezra chapter seven. And, uh, the, the point of that chapter, I think is, is about faithful teachers and the importance of faithful teachers for the community. Uh, and, and so Ezra came in and his, responsibility was to be devoted to the to the word of god and to teach it faithfully and i use that word faithful very intentionally uh, I, i've been paralleling ezra really with the pastoral epistles first second timothy and titus and you might remember that paul says to timothy you need to make sure that you teach teach the truth the things that you've heard me say paul says in second timothy things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who in turn will teach others so this is how the truth continues to to be to be the truth of the gospel continues to be communicated but then he gives him this warning do you remember this Mm-mm. where he says there's a time coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine uh, is yes. the word he uses healthy doctrine but instead they will gather to themselves teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear i'm paraphrasing here but that's pretty much what it says that that they're going to gather people who will tell them what they want to hear Okay, and and that's that's I think the warning. And, and I don't, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's where we are today. Absolutely, but here's what you need to understand: that's where we were in John's day too. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's warning them. In that, that that's that's why he says it is the last hour, my friends. This is this is where this is where the rubber meets the road, right? This is right. serious business we're dealing with. Uh, it's the last hour, and therefore we're not going to promote things that have to do with falsehood and things that have to do with lying. Now, do we still love one? That'll preach. (laughs) Do we still love one another? Absolutely. We do. Mm -hmm. We still love, you know, now I I will say, and and a lot of people don't like it when I make this distinction, (laughs) we are called to both love one another and we are also called to love. Look at Galatians chapter six, since we mentioned Woo! that in, from the commentary of Jerome yeah. earlier. Look, at, I wasn't planning to do this. Now, see, you got me completely off script. Now we're probably in our second hour at this point. So nobody except Lauren is still listening at this point. But that's my wife. Also, Brian refers to as the wait staff. <laughs> the, the wait staff. I love you, dear. 
Don't let Brian get you down. <laughs> Great. Galatians um, chapter six. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. So um oh, hope I can find this. Oh, give me, give me, give me an idea. I can find the, it. It's the uh, maybe Ephesians chapter five. I said that. Hold on, let me look real quick. I apologize, but it says, "Do good to all people, especially those who are who are of the uh, brotherhood uh, of believers." I'm it's find it's it Galatians six. Is it Galatians six? Where is it yeah. then? Uh, well, it's Galatians six. I mean, the section is called "Doing Good to All." Okay. Uh, carry each other's burdens, uh, yeah. uh, brothers and sisters. If someone is caught in sin. Who you live by, the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may be, may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, that's still, I think it's Ephesians 5 after I said this. We'll, we'll find it. Hold on. This, uh, no, see, here it is. is. 610. Oh, okay. Therefore, okay, as 610. we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Oh, there you go. Family of believers is what it says there. So... So you get my point here is is we do good to all people, right? Mm-hmm. Especially the family believers. We are called to love all people, but we are also called to love one another. Okay, and 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 so there's a difference between the body of believers, right, and and loving those who are outside the body of believers. Uh, both of them are necessary, right? Both of them are things that we do. But there is a difference in degree of the way that we treat another believer. And, and again, people sometimes are bothered that. We, so here's where I think the application of this, if you want it, is we, we should be very careful when we are supporting the work of a Christian organization, okay, mm-hmm. that they are following the teachings of, of the scriptures, Right, that that they're true to the scriptures. That's our standard. That has to be our standard. The Word of God. Uh, it's not culture. It's not our own feelings. It's not uh, what what makes us comfortable. In fact, again, that's what Paul warns Timothy about. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna call to themselves teachers that tell them what they want to hear. That's not teaching. Um, you know, telling someone what you want to hear is not teaching. Um, teaching is is understanding the word of God and and proclaiming it, and and that's where again I think we as 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 a church today have to be very careful that we are spending time understanding the word of God, uh, spending time in the word of God. That's why we do this podcast, right? We right. we do this to to make information available about. Uh, I'm not saying we we have the the grasp on truth. What I'm saying is that 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 I've spent a lot of time trying to understand these things, and hopefully I'm giving background and language and information that will help you as you study yourself and 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 discern uh, the truth of God's word. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, I think that concept of love can get really yeah. distorted in today. You, you know, like we we do need to love others, but I, I think even as we look back in Galatians, that part I was reading that wasn't the thing. Yeah. It's like be careful, be yeah. careful in how you address these things. Be well, careful as you address the sin, even in the love. Be yeah. careful because it you too can be polluted by it, and then it, it it turns into this. And um, Paul Paul uses cascading this, effect. Exactly. Where Paul talks about love and truth together, what does he say? Speak the truth in love. Right. So, and he even says this to Timothy. He says, rebuke an older person, an elder, literally, uh, gently. <clears throat> so even in the way we promote this, we do it with gentleness. We do it with respect. But we don't we don't back down from truth. Yeah. So. And, and, and I would say even, you know, as we talked about how we love those in the church differently than those outside the church. Right. I mean, there is, there is a tiered system, as you kind of point out, people don't like to hear, but maybe there's also a truth speaking tier of that as well, sure. where yeah. it's, it doesn't, we do need to speak truth to the outside world. Absolutely. But there, you know, sometimes we jump to truth that they don't understand yet. You know, like we get that perspective in there. Yeah. Or, or the other thing I'll often say to people is, you know, if they ask, well, what do you, what do you believe about this? It's like, what well, do you care what I believe about it? You know, 
I can show right. you what the Word of God says, but it's not my opinion that you you care about. It's what what does the Word of God say? That's what's important. Well, sometimes they care about what you think. <laughs> well, they they do, but they because they want to judge my, you. By my how point you is, think. they shouldn't. My right. point is, they shouldn't. It should be you know a basis on you know based on the Word of God. All, All right. right. Well, I just I just go ahead and finish. Weird, might as well weird. finish up this letter. I mean, we've right. got a f- just a few verses. All right, I'll quit talking. Uh, it's just verses twelve and thirteen. That's all it is. I so. have much to we've write to you. About thirteen. Yeah, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who was chosen by God, send their greetings. Okay. So he says there are other things I want to write to you. And again, First John, I think. Well, the, and I'll go ahead and say this, and we'll talk more about it next week. And actually, it'll follow on from what we're talking about here. First John is really what what John is giving as the test by which we can determine if if someone is in that vein of, and even ourselves, if we are in the truth or if we're not. Right. Uh, he, he's going to give us tests that will determine. Uh, you know, we can use in order to 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 discern whether or not we're walking in truth. And, and so that's what really I think he's talking about. Interesting, just in a little kind of funny note. It says face to face there. That's how we translate. That's our idiom. And this again, this is, I think this is a good example uh, of the way all translation is, it necessarily takes culture into account. Mm-hmm. Because if we translate that literally, what he says is, go ahead and read that again. Just verse twelve. What does it say? I closed how, my Bible. Oh, sorry. He opened mine. No, that's right. That's right. Second John, Second John. Uh, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face. Face to face. Okay, that's our idiom. Literally in the Greek, that says stoma astoma, which means mouth to mouth. (laughs) I'm going to speak to you mouth to mouth. That's just the idiomatic way that they say it. But wouldn't that be weird if we translated it that way? So, so here here's the only reason I bring that up is because when we translate, we have to take into consideration how people are going to hear it. and and that I, I like that example because it shows us the same way some of our idioms mm-hmm. uh, tr- don't translate well into other languages, um, and and so we have to be careful about how we 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 talk about the gospel as well in other contexts. So. Yeah, Brian, I never want to talk to you mouth to mouth. You better have some dentine if we do. So. <laughs> I'm fine with face to face or through a computer right now. I'll be honest with you. Anyway, just teasing. you've never been so glad we're not in the same room. Yes, absolutely. Well, this is great. You know, this is right. uh, you know, I think this, there's a lot here to kind of chew on and to think about. I think that interesting how these oneaters have yes. really some some uh, important things for us till today, right? Yeah, these oneaters are like bringing the heat coming at you. But I like it. I like the it. One hit oneaters. One hit. One hit wonders. All right. Well, Brian, thanks so much. Appreciate your time, you, and if you have made it this far in this episode, we'd also <laughs> we encourage want you, you. We want you to tell us your name because we're amazed. We will send you a blue ribbon. Uh, we invite you if you find this helpful. You know, to join us on Patreon. You can support us monthly. A two-year yeah. attendance for for Sunday school. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes, uh, two-year attendance. Then um, you can get a coffee cup. You can get a T-shirt. You can yeah. get all the things. When is our coffee cup coming? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Just like the just when Jesus is returning. Yeah, we're in the last hour, Brian. And our coffee cups will soon arrive. So anyway, but if you are enjoying the podcast and find it helpful, we invite you to to join us there. Or you can also sign up for our newsletter, which is sporadic at this point because I'm busy and Brian's busy. Yeah, but it it, it is. We're sending stuff out. We've got to get some books out there and some recommendations and some resources. That'd be good for everyone to, to jump into as well. So thank you so much for joining us. And Brian, I'll see you Tuesday. See you next time. All right. Bye.